The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here. Where else is history still in the making? Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins tonight on TNT. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. Episode 14, off and running. Here we go. Price Atkinson with the 12th and Sports Network, joined by my colleague Joe Calabrese. The Godfather himself is back after uh, last week. Had Devin Haru and then Kevin Martin joining from, uh, from North Battleford, Saskatchewan at the Canadian Open. But back on U.S. soil, happy to be home and more than anything, happy to have the Godfather back this week, Joe, as you are bracing for snow. Yeah, you know, with part of that big uh, storm ripping, ripping through the north, uh, through the Midwest and in the Northeast, we're going to get about a foot and a half of snow here uh, starting tomorrow. So uh, we're hunkering down here in Rochester. Well, we got a lot of things to get to, a lot of topics. We got guests. Let's go ahead and set the lineup right now. Our guest for this week, we got a returning guest, probably the first returning guest, I think, of the season. And I told him so a little bit earlier, uh, outside of Kevin Martin, the great Kevin Martin. Uh, Marcus Gleaton, who was an, made an appearance on the segment You Can't Refuse, Joe, with you, back in what right. late October, early November. Well, Marcus Gleaton is the president of the Kalamazoo Curling Club. Why do we have him back, you ask? Well, where are we going here in just a couple weeks next month? Kalamazoo, Michigan, the site of the 2019 USA Curling National Championship. So I talked with Marcus as their club is is obviously so instrumental in bringing these nationals back as they're on the cusp, getting ready uh, to, to host this uh, national championship again for a third time at Wings Event Center. So you won't want to miss that one as Marcus Gleaton is back talking about the preparations, things to do in Kalamazoo, all the different kinds of things that are going to be going on in and around the USA Curling Nationals here in Kalamazoo. So that's coming up as well as, Joe, the segment you can't refuse, you had from the Curling Club of Virginia, Travis Hamilton and Ryan McGee. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some great talk about an arena club in the Virginia area uh, who has uh, helped get a couple other curling clubs started down in that state. So some good things coming. Yep. So we got those interviews. We will bring those to you here in the very next segment. We got a few things that we got to touch on. First of all, Joe, you got, uh, I don't want to say breaking news. It's not so much breaking, but I guess so much some news uh, that it pertains to uh, the 2019 USA Curling National Championships uh, coming up here in Kalamazoo. Please share. Yeah, you know, I, because we're uh, webcasting nationals for USA Curling, sometimes I get into some discussions with the folks over there. And uh, I was informed today uh, that Jared Allen has been named as the fifth for Team Ruinin and that Michael Roos has been added as Team Burr's fifth for Kalamazoo. So uh, real exciting news. Uh, get these guys out there and uh, 
on a national stage. I'm sure the circus will sort of come to town because they're part of these teams, but uh, this will be a good opportunity for them to kind of learn what it's like to play at a national championship. Um, not just things that are on the ice, because I doubt they'll get into many games, but things that happen off the ice, uh, you know, all the preparation that, that goes into it, uh, the, the uh, pregame practices, all the things that uh, a fifth has to do, they'll learn. And I think that that's a great thing. Yeah, and that's obviously, this is part of the indoctrination, you know, of the learning experience. And like you said, a lot of stuff off the ice, but, you know, to, to I mean, I'm, we obviously know that John Benton has been coaching them, has been working with them, you know, but to be in, you know, a, you know, the pregame preparation, uh, you know, matching raw, all the different, I mean, everything that goes into what it takes to prepare for a national championship and a bond spiel of this caliber you know, this is, is certainly a, a major indoctrination period for them to get their feet wet to see how much more there is in terms of preparation and the things you have to do to get ready for an event like this. And obviously, you got two really good teams, two veteran teams to be able to do that with, and, and Team Todd Burr, and then certainly uh, Team Ruinin slash Persinger. Yeah, they must have made a pretty good impression if if these two teams have made a decision to bring them on as fifth. I mean, it, like I said, the chances of them making it into a game are probably pretty thin, but um, they must have made an impression and, and shown that they were pretty serious about making this game work for them. Yeah, absolutely. And we got uh, you know some other things to hit on, too. Before we get to Continental Cup and the Junior Nationals that are ongoing, I do want to give a, a shout-out to the um, – uh, Paralympic uh, wheelchair curling team that's in Finland right now. Uh, Megan Lino and St- Steve Imp, who we had on last year, Joe, uh, at, after their Olympic trials as they were getting ready to go compete in the Paralympic Games over in Pyeongchang. Uh, they're two of the um, uh, two members of that U.S. team competing over there in Finland at the Kasekik. I can't even say the cup name. I can't speak uh, Finnish like that. But good luck to those guys as they're over there playing uh, over there in Finland, and we wish them certainly all the best uh, representing Team USA. So before we get to, uh, you know, I want to talk Team USA before we do Continental Cup, and let's talk Junior Nationals real quick, Joe, because the Junior Nationals are going on as we speak right now, and we are officially in the playoff stage there in uh, uh, in Two Harbors, Minnesota, as the playoff picture, it is a three-team playoff on each side. Uh, the men's and women's field is set. I think it, I'm not giving odds right here, Joe, but if you were to give odds on Andrew Stopera before this event started, I'd probably go something like one to ten, one to twenty, like not just a favorite, but like a landslide type favorite. And as you would expect, they are undefeated through round robin play, as they will now meet the winner. Uh, believe it is uh, Andrew McDonald and Skylar Slusser. The, that semifinal, and then Andrew Stopera will get the winner in the U.S. national or junior national final. Yeah, you know, I would I would think that everybody would have suspected that Stopera would be uh, the leader going into the playoffs, and again, they were undefeated. Uh, I would say, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting tons from the team from Ohio. That's McDonald, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that they can't play. Obviously, they they were uh, six and one uh, in the round robin, and and Skyler uh, Slusser. Um, you know they have they have a pretty solid team too. I recognize a few of the people on that team. So, uh, really, anybody's game. And probably as you're listening to this, uh, that first uh, that first game between uh, Slusser and McDonald will probably be played. Um, but you know, good on them for both making the playoffs, and uh, good luck to them if, if whoever wins that game uh, taking on 
uh, Stopera. Yeah, Stopera, two-time defending champion. This is his last shot at it because he will be aging out of the juniors. Everybody else on that rink, uh, you know, Graham Fenson, uh, Ben Richardson, and uh, Luke Violet, all three of them, well, they will be back, uh, you know, for another round, one more round next year. But this is Andrew, Andrew Stopera's last uh, go at it there as skip of that junior team trying to win a, uh, you know, make it the perfect trifecta. But, you know, good stuff there on the men's side. On the women's side, uh, the two uh, high-performance junior teams leading the way, Anne-Marie Duberstein and then uh, Kate Flannery, 6-1, and 5-2, and two, respectfully, joined in the pe- playoffs by uh, Ariel Traxler's rink out of Fairbanks, Alaska at 4-3. and three. A little bit more balance there, Joe, on the, uh, on the women's side. Uh, it's not so much top-heavy like you see on the men's, but I mean, I, I think right now Duberstein, which is is straight into the final, it's they're awaiting the winner of Kate Flannery, Ariel Traxler. I, I'd say toss a coin up on that one. I think you probably favor Flannery by a little bit, but I would think it'd be the two high performance teams that are going to slug it out there in the final tomorrow. Yeah, you know, um, it for the uh, women's side, you know, Traxler sort of surprised at, at the challenge round, and you know now they're here in a position to. May possibly win uh, junior nationals. Uh, that's that's a great showing, and, and it's going to be great uh, great experience for them moving forward. I w- you know Duberstein you know was the class of the field in the in the round robin here, but uh, I really feel like any of these teams could win this. Why the hell can I get her name right, Duberstein? Every single time I'm coming up with a new <laughs> name to pronounce it. But yeah, I mean Ariel Traxler's rink. Uh, Emily Quello, who's uh, from Bemidji. You know, she played at Nationals last year. I can't remember exactly whose team. She may have been played with Susanna View. I don't remember. I want to say Rebecca Rogers may have played on a team at Nationals last year as well. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see uh, which teams come out of there. But good curling uh, to uh, all the finalists uh, or the playoff field and certainly the finals tomorrow, which would be Saturday. As we're recording here on Friday night, Joseph, uh, but good luck to everybody in Two Harbors, Minnesota, and and certainly uh, good curling. Congratulations to everybody who's worked hard to put that event forward. I I have caught some of the, the web stream of that. But speaking of web streams, Let's get to uh, the other hot event going on right now is pretty much the curling vacuum is being sucked in or sucked out, I should say, and it's all being sucked toward Las Vegas, Nevada, Joe, as the Continental Cup is ongoing and the Team North America has had their way here the last couple of years, but boy, Team World has announced their presence with authority, uh, is, uh, as they would say, and they have gotten out of the gate like a firecracker, uh, really owning that mixed doubles uh, play so far. Take us through yeah. where things stand right now. Yeah, you know, uh, the performance for uh, Team North America has been a little bit like Prince Phillip's driving. It's been pretty disastrous. <laughs> uh, you know, day one was owned, completely owned by Team World. They they took all nine points in the first day. So they were up 9 nothing after day one, and, um, you know, it was an interesting kind of day in terms of, you know, kind of how things went. Uh, it sort of sort of started with the mixed doubles and, and you know, the names that you would think would dominate something like this. Brad Gushu, Rachel Holman, Kevin Cooey, um, you know, Brett Gallant, Jocelyn Peterman. I mean, these are these are the people who tried it out there uh, in the very first draw and they went over. And, uh, you know, that's pretty unusual. But, you know, you think, oh, you know, it's just the first draw. It's mixed doubles. You never know what might happen to mixed doubles. And then we, we have another draw mixed doubles. 
And uh, you got Jennifer Jones and you got John Schuster out there and you got Caitlin Laws and and they go over. And so you you, you start seeing a pattern here. And then uh, last night uh, it got even worse as the team play happened and Jennifer Jones loses to, to Eve Muirhead. Uh, Hasselberg beats Holman and uh, Sinclair, who um, had an opportunity um probably the closest game of the bunch, uh, lost to Tiranzoni. And, uh, you know, looking at some of these shooting percentages, I mean, I, I, I don't know if they're just struggling with maybe I, I had seen there was some frost uh, on the ice. I'm wondering if some of these teams are just struggling with their draw weight because I'm looking at that uh, shooting percentages for Jennifer Jones at 62%, Rachel Holman 61%, Sinclair at 72%. I mean, these are these are not – like them well and, and so that's what i saw in, the, in day one well a couple things on that number one um i i do know that they you know talking to some people they were saying i mean there was a solid six feet of curl on the ice um number two relating to that there was a lot of rain early in the um in the event one thing which i still don't understand how any arena gets to host a national or world especially a world championship level event that does not have dehumidification and or the orleans arena does not have dehumidification and i can tell you from being at the world championship in in april when we got some rain later in the week that 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 frost that was on the ice in those semifinals i was talking to nicholas uh dean just the other day back up in uh, north battleford we were talking about it and he said that was that semifinal play. They, I mean, they ran rough shot through the field and had some tricky moments there. I believe it was against the Koreans uh, in the semifinal before they played Gushu in the final. Uh, if you remember, you know Richie and those guys uh, advanced to the uh, playoffs against Gushu that same day, and that ice was frosty. And it was like soup. And Richie was the one that used that that phrase, soup. And, you know, I think that's probably had some effect out there with a lot of the rain that they got earlier in the week and um, in the first couple of days. I do know the forecast is a lot better. The other thing I'll say about it is this. And I, I will tell you from – and this is – call it a hot take or what, but this is, this is just me being honest. And it, so much of the event – I mean, this is an all-star event, right? This is a lot like, you know, the NBA all-star game, you know, the NHL all-star game, right? I mean, that, that's what this event, in effect, is. It, it doesn't mean anything. It's simply really for the players and for the fans, just to have a good time, right? So, you know, you go out there, you just play a lot looser, you know, than you normally would, whether it's a slam, whether it's a national championship, or, I mean, the last time we were in Vegas for, for a big event, which was Men's Worlds back in, you know, April, I mean, you're just playing looser. I mean, yeah, you're having fun. You're, you're not pressing like you did. And I think you just kind of go out there and you, 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 you throw rocks and it's kind of like, let's just go have some fun. So, I, I mean, the shooting percentages I'm sure probably has, there's, there's a multitude of factors with that. Uh, you know, even your head too, I'll just say this real quick too. Even your head is they are getting it together and they did not play well at the beginning of the season. She had that major hip surgery. Um, right. But she looked very good making the playoffs in uh, in North Battleford last week. That's a team that is coming around. And um, Hasselberg has had a little bit of uh, struggle um, after finishing and closing the year so well. But you know, getting that win over Homan was huge. But you know, I I think there's several things that go into that. 
Yeah, well, let me tell you where they stand right now. I mean, the, the North America made a little bit of a comeback this afternoon and, and swept the mixed double. So uh, right now, world stands at 11 points, North America at four. There's a little bit more than half the uh, half the draw left. So there's a chance to come back, but it's certainly an uphill battle for Team North America. Yeah, lot ways to go. I, you know, I did. I, I pers- I mean, I got a reprieve, you know, not having to be out there this weekend. I had, you know, the option, but I, I this was one that I was not upset to miss because I, I'll tell you, being being a hundred percent candid, you know, I I am not a big All Star Game guy. I, I I don't watch the NBA All Star Game. I don't watch the NHL. I, I I just they're for the fans, and I get it. They're for the players, and it's it's all for good fun. I've just never been a huge fan of the all-star type event, so to speak. I wasn't not broken up, not being out there. Sure, it'd be nice to be in Vegas. I'm not. I'm also not a huge Vegas person, um, you know. But this is one that I. I just the Continental Cup. If, if I'm going to miss any curling event of the year, personally for me, this is one event that I would have no issue missing whatsoever. You know, Price, one of the things, I mean, this is sort of mild, or I'm sorry, modeled after the uh, Ryder Cup in golf. And yep. one of the things that I do think that Continental Cup has going for it is um, sort of that fantasy element where you can sort of see players teamed up with other players that you might not necessarily see them paired up with. And for that reason, I kind of I kind of like it. But I think that's a really you're right. It's sort of for the fans and not necessarily for, you know, the betterment of your own team. I mean, yeah. You're out there playing with people that you've maybe not played with ever before, and you're trying to judge their releases and figure out how to uh, how to sweep their stones correctly. It's it's going to lead to lower shooting percentages overall, and and uh, probably games that are a little less competitive at times. While you know the North American team has uh, swept this uh, event the last three times, um, maybe Team World just wants it a little bit more. Um, you know, <coughs> having not won it in, in a while. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wouldn't mind seeing in this event is uh, from year to year, not have the same players at the event. They're, the Both Team World and Team North America are deep enough that you don't have to see Schuster at every single one of these Totally events. agree. Totally agree. 100% agree with that. Uh, there are other other names, but when you have this, you know, kind of all-star event, you want the biggest stars, you know, of the sport. And so you're going to go out and try and get the biggest ones. And, you know, I, I in, in, in effect, though, I am with you to, so you get to see some different people, which is, you know, as much as this Curling World Cup is everybody still trying to kind of figure it out, you know, at least you're seeing some different teams going to play in these things. You're not just seeing the same, you know, Brad Gushu, Team Jones, or Brad Gushu and Holman, or, you know, Holman and Cooey everywhere. You know, Gunner got to go play, you know, in uh, the last one. I mean, like, I mean, look at us on the U.S. side. I mean, Corey Dropkin and Fenner and those guys are going to be going to, to Sweden along with Team Christensen. So I, I like seeing, you know, it mixed up and, you know, it is a totally different event, but, but I'm with you totally that, you know, just to get different faces you know, in the event, but, you know, I know everybody's having a great time out there. Vegas is, if there's any place to have it, I was trying to think earlier, if you don't have it in Vegas, where else would you have it in, in the United States? The only other places I could think of that I would want to have this event would be maybe New York city or Miami. Cause you want to have would, it somewhere that's just a ton of fun. You know, I would think maybe <laughs> Orlando in, in one of these, you know, uh, movie theater or not movie theater, movie, uh, studio type buildings. And they yeah. could, you know, make the whole building specifically for that event, and that would be kind of neat because you'd have a built-in audience of, you know, let's say people go into a theme park and just come in for a couple hours and watch some curling. I mean, yep. you know, fill the stands and make it kind of fun that way. Um, but I could see, I could see uh, New York City. I think that that would work too. Yep. All right. Uh, 
Good luck to everybody out at the Continental Cup. I uh, hope you survive the week in your liver if that's uh, if you're up burning the candle at all hours of the night because I watched a lot of people do that. No, I did not. was not one of those, but I did have some fun out in Vegas. But look, episode 14 of the Extra Extra rolls along. Coming up next, Joe, we got Marcus Gleaton from the Kalamazoo Curling Club. He's going to set the stage with everything to get you ready for the 2019 USA Curling National Championships coming up next month, uh, the 9th through the 16th of February there in Kalamazoo. And then the segment you can't refuse, it's back, baby. It's back. That's We've got right. Travis Hamilton and Ryan McGee from the Curling Club of Virginia, Joe. I can't wait to hear what you got into with those guys. But when we come back, we will have those two interview interviews for you starting with martin marcus gleason from the kalamazoo curling club coming right up here on the extraction podcast Back into the Extra Extra and Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network with Bryce Atkinson, myself here. And now we got our featured guest interview this week, and probably our only returning guest uh, this season so far on the Extra Extra end. I take that back. Uh, uh, our guest last week, Kevin Martin, uh, has been on a couple times with us, but outside of Kevin, uh, we are going to go to Marcus Gleaton, who is the president of the Kalamazoo Curling Club. Marcus was on with us back in the fall, the segment you can't refuse with the godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, who you hear from in his segment again here in just a little bit. But Marcus is, I mentioned, the president of the Kalamazoo Curling Club, and that is where we are going to be in just a couple weeks from now in Kalamazoo, Michigan at the 2019 USA Curling Nationals. And Marcus, right around the corner, we're going to be in your crib here before we know it. Welcome back in here to the podcast well thanks a lot price really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys and to get the word about out about the Nationals. yeah excited to be with you guys and you and i were chatting uh, a few minutes ago before we started recording and you know with all due respect to fargo last year you know we you know it, it was a beautiful place where they had the event but you know i'm excited for my first time to kalamazoo because you guys have had this event uh, a couple times before but this one at the Wings Event Center are going to be in what they call, I think it's called the Valley, the big arena this time. Uh, kind of putting this thing uh, maybe uh, on steroids a little bit from the previous two times uh, you guys have hosted it before. Just talk about the excitement about this event coming back to the zoo, Marcus. Yeah, it is, it's going to be in the Valley this time. Um, actually, it's similar to what we did in 2015. In the same location as when we were in there in 2015. Um, but this time around, we've uh, the venue itself, Wings Event Center and our club, are um, much more proactively involved with all of the planning, all of the volunteerism that's needed, uh, getting out marketing word throughout the city, bringing in sponsors. So it's really been a great effort that we've all kind of been working together towards to make this one of the best events that certainly we've hosted since it's our third one in nine years, Mm -hmm. but uh, also that the athletes have been to. Yeah, and, you know, you guys have done this a couple times before. You know, what are some of those things that – you kind of learn from, you know, when you put this type of event on, you obviously, you know, have uh, after action meetings and you learn things in the middle of the, the event. You know, what are some things that you guys have taken away from the last couple or the last two specifically, I should say, you know, that you kind of applying that are going to be maybe a little bit different that uh, might have a different flavor this time? Yeah. Um, you know, the first uh, first couple, we didn't really have the greatest fan zone experience. So we kind of are concentrating on creating fan zone area where people can take selfies, uh, where the teams will be up there so that they can get uh, signatures, meet and greet with the teams at different time slots. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the gold medal guys are going to be here, and 
that certainly helped us. Um, Tyler George is coming into town and I talked with him and he's willing to sit down and, and meet with folks. And uh, so it's really, really trying to create a better fan experience for us has been one of the most important things this time around. Yeah, and the Kalamazoo Curling Club that you're the president of, I know, uh, is it obviously intimately involved along with the Wings Event Center uh, and a few other local groups. And, you know, as this, uh, as, as this event comes to, uh, you know, the WEC, you know, for people that have never been there before, you know, what, what is this type of venue? What can they expect, you know, in, in terms of uh, the digs that's going to house us all week? Yeah, um, it, it's a it's a three pad facility, so there's multiple pads going on. And our club will run our curling throughout the whole week. We've got learn to curl events going on all week long. Uh, whereas in the past we haven't necessarily had that, and um, we do corporate events for a bunch of corporates that are through here. So we're teaching people how to curl all week long. And then um, we've also got Wings Event Center also hosts the Kalamazoo K Wings, which mm-hmm. is a hockey team. And during our event, there's actually a couple of games. I think one on. Um, uh, uh, think or um, oh, February fourteenth, uh, Valentine's Day, Valentine's. They have a, a big game, and then also on I think Saturday of opening ceremony. So if people are coming into town and want to try something a little different, right here across the way, there's there's a hockey game, pretty good level hockey. EC, I think they're in the EACH mm-hmm. league, and so they do a good job. Well, as we're talking with Marcus Gleaton, the president of the Kalamazoo Curling Club, that you can follow them at Curl the Zoo. You know, and as as far as volunteers are going, Marcus, what um, where do you guys stand in the way of volunteers for the event? I mean, you can never really have too many people, but you know, are you guys still putting the call out for for local volunteers through the event? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Um, you know, it's been unbelievable as most clubs across the nation probably have found just a huge surge in newer curlers and we have over 80 new curlers in our club this mm-hmm. season and not a single one of those were here when we did the event just four years ago wow so, uh, believe it or not we just put out our um our list of all our volunteers and we basically have everything already full a month before the event so we're really excited there's going to be some um spots still here and there but we've got uh, we've got so many volunteers it's just been a great great time getting everyone around and the excitement here at the club is is, is is really at a high level and that's pretty incredible when you talk about that that you mentioned that so many of these volunteers who are going to be a part of this event uh, next month for the for the curling for the USA curling Nationals are folks that weren't even part of the club back uh, when you hosted it in 2015 just simply demonstrating the growth of this sport yet in another another location around the country Marcus Yes, it, it does. And, and, you know, again, we're seeing it all over our region. I'm sure the U.S. as a whole, we're just seeing just a great boon. And, you know, the, the Olympics obviously does that every time we come around. But the ladies represented themselves very well. And so obviously did the guys. And so, yes, it's been just a, an unbelievable wave to ride. And to be honest, it's been, you know, fun to keep up, but tough to keep up. There's so much demand. We actually have six learn to curl between now and the end of February and they're all full and wow. we're, we're trying to do more and we just uh, we're doing our best to get uh, as many opportunities for people to curl as often as we can but you know back to the volunteer side we all do this as a volunteer basis so you also got to be careful not to wear your volunteers out and with the nationals coming you know, we got a lot going on. <laughs> You're going to wear a lot of people out, but in a good way with the Nationals that's because right. I think that's going to inject just a whole lot of excitement, you know, into your club and the greater Kalamazoo area. I can't wait to get to the zoo for the very first time because I can't wait to taste uh, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale straight, the the god, the nectar of the god straight from the tap. I'm going to get to that in a few minutes, but you guys have got, uh, you know, several kind of theme days going on, uh, you know, that are part of the Nationals. Education Day on, on Monday and Tuesday. 
Day. I know you got a senior day in there. Certainly, we're gonna we're gonna have Valentine's Day with you guys. Sweethearts everywhere are gonna be uh, are gonna be celebrated in the crowd. And then Craft Beer Day on Friday the fifteenth. Obviously, you know the front end and in the back end of it with opening ceremonies and crowning a national champion. You know, talk about some of these themes and everything these these events that are gonna be going on with with uh, you know the different uh, you know Education Day and seniors and everything else. Yeah, we're um, um, obviously you, you take uh, the opportunity to reach out to different larger groups, and the kids typically love coming here. So we're hoping to get a number of them out here, as well as we believe senior senior uh, facilities and stuff. I think it's a great opportunity to get them out and see uh, a pretty awesome game. Um, one of the things that's really new this year is the kind of mini beer festival, craft beer festival, we're going to do on Friday, and that is um, you know an opportunity to hopefully bring people in that like beer and want to watch a little bit of curling. So. Uh, so, yeah, we're definitely trying to add some new things to it, and hopefully the fan experience is, is a lot more enjoyable as a result. Can I go ahead and get you to write a, a, a get-out-of-work note to, to B.A. and Joe right now so I can have the night off on, on Friday because beer tasting is something that I like to think I'm a pro at, and as, especially with Bells located right there in Kalamazoo. I would love nothing more than a get-out-of-jail-free card, so to speak, uh, to be able to join you guys on the other side, Marcus. Please please let's find a way to make that happen uh, you know, sooner than later because I would love to be able to partake and enjoy with you guys Friday night. Will do. How about I trade a nice warm area for you guys uh, to do the event, and then in trade off, you get the night off Friday. How's that sound? Uh, I think well, Joe would go for that. I, I hope he will go for that because, as you know, as I mentioned, <laughs> Bell's uh, Bell's Brewery is right there. I know that's a, I believe it's a sponsor of your club. Um, you know, Gold Line. Uh, you know, preferred clo- or the profi- the preferred uh, equipment dealer for uh, for the Kalamazoo Curling Club. You know. With things going on there, you know, I know Beer City USA, and, and I don't mean to harp on that and alcohol, but, you know, I, I know that Kalamazoo, and I think Grand Rapids may have just taken the title away, but Kalamazoo was Beer City USA, I believe, s- multiple years in a row. That is a big part uh, of, of the of the region there in the greater Kalamazoo area, Marcus. Yes, it absolutely is. We have about 15 breweries all within about a 10, 12-mile radius in the Kalamazoo area. Uh, the athletes, um, their primary hotels, the Radisson right downtown, they're all within walking distance of very good, not just the beers, but also the food that they provide, things of that nature. The oh, downtown boy. area has really, really grown up a lot in the last 20 years, and it's a lot of excitement. Most of these athletes, or not most, but a number of them have been here. This will be their third time in just nine years, and trust me, I get to hear from them, and they say how much they enjoy it, and they're looking forward to getting back here as well. So, so yeah, beer is a big part of Kalamazoo, and we're not ashamed of it. What are some other things uh, around the greater Kalamazoo area? I mean, everybody's going to be digesting uh, so much curling over the few days, but if people want to get out, you know, away from Wings Event Center just to even take in some fresh air, and hopefully we'll have some nice warm fresh air uh, while we're in town. But what what are some things that uh, that folks in town can do? You know, maybe some things around, uh, you know, going on sites to see, things to do um, outside of the curling venue at the Wings Event Center. Sure. Um, well, we have a pretty nice aviation museum, Kalamazoo Aviation Museum, which is just down the road from the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the Gilmore Car Museum, one of the largest uh, antique car museums in the nation. It's uh, pretty close to here. So there's a number of those things. We're also, if you want to make it just an hour trek uh, to the uh, Michigan uh, coast, we are right by Lake Michigan. It's very pretty over there. A number of cities that have a lot to offer even in this kind of weather when when the snow is out so there's a lot to do and see within a short drive here as well as right here in Kalamazoo. 
Well, Marcus, uh, it's great having you back on as a return guest, this time not on uh, the segment You Can't Refuse. This is one that, that uh, we appreciate you, you know, as our featured guest this week because one, to give everybody, you know, a taste of, uh, you know, the USA Curling Nationals and really all the things that you guys have got planned that have been months and months in the work, in the works. You know, tell everybody, you know, get your tickets, where they can get them, uh, walk-up tickets, you know, how you can order, you know, a, a, you know, pass for the whole entire event. Just give everybody the download. Uh, so they can make their yeah. plans to join us in the zoo. Absolutely. Um, they can go to curlingnationals.com, and in there, there is all the links to getting your tickets. I think tickets for a day, and you buy a ticket for a day, it's good for all three or four draws. How many draws are going on? I think it's $12 for adults. Uh, and you can get a week-long ticket for $50. So real good real good prices to, to entice people to kind of come on out. But, yeah, you can go to curlingnationals.com, and that's where you can find all the information and get all the tickets and secure your spots and and uh, have a great time watching some wonderful curling. Well, Marcus, I know uh, is a native of, of St. Paul, Minnesota, and the past arena national champion there as part of the Kalamazoo Curling Club. I have a feeling you and I are going to be sitting down and talking maybe during a fifth end break on the uh, you know the 12th End Sports Network a web stream uh, during the event because we certainly are going to be spending an awful lot of time with you guys at the Wings Event Center. And really can't wait to do it. Really can't wait to meet you in person. And uh, you know, let, let's go have some fun here next month. Uh, the USA Curling National certainly is always one of the highlights uh, of the year just wall to wall as soon as you wake up to as soon as you go to bed we'll all be exhausted by the end of it but man it is going to be a fun week with you guys and can't wait to do it absolutely can't wait to do it either price and i'll happily sit down with you again when we get here sounds good marcus once again that's marcus gleaton the president of the kalamazoo curling club as we are coming to their city yes we are can't wait to do it here next month the united states curling nationals it is a week it is a incredibly fun time and if you're thinking about making the trip i hope you will join us check out more curlingnationals.com and if you're making the plans to join us make sure you come by the booth and find us uh, we'll be all over the arena uh, from sun up to sundown and then some so i cannot wait to do this it will be here very soon but very soon coming up we're going to have this segment you can't refuse with the godfather himself joe calabrese it's coming up next right here on the extraction podcast with the 12th in sports network i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse welcome back to the segment you can't refuse and after a week off the godfather is back to highlight curling clubs from across the country this episode we bring you two curlers from the curling club of virginia Please welcome President Travis Hamilton and co-host of the Rocks Across the Pond podcast, Ryan McGee. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Travis, tell me a little bit about the history of the Curling Club of Virginia. So sure, the Curling Club of Virginia started in 2011. And ironically enough, it was started or spearheaded by a gentleman that had never curled a day in his life. And I don't think it had ever been on ice, but fell in love with curling the Olympics and put a call out in the paper and uh, managed to find a a number of uh, folks that had relocated from the North and a couple of just keen folks in Virginia and got them all together. And eight years later, we're the curling club of Virginia. That sounds pretty terrific. How many club members do you have uh, currently at the club? Uh, We're about 35 to 40 pretty active members that are uh, playing league right now. Very good. And Ryan, you're, you're one of these members and, as an arena club, you don't always get the, the prime ice times, let's say, at the rink. Tell us a little bit about the structure of your leagues. Well, it's kind of interesting. We almost have the same season that 
they have in Australia and New Zealand. We get started just about the same time that everyone else is finishing up. So a lot of times our ice time comes, you know, in the spring, summer and fall. Uh, so that's something that we have to deal with. But, you know, we we cherish the ice time we do get. I think that's the mentality that you have to have when you're an arena club is uh, appreciate the time you can get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you get you get started. What about April or May? Yeah, this year we'll start Learn to Curls in late March, and then the league will start up in April. Very good. So, Travis, you know, having ice time just a couple nights a week, how do you maintain the enthusiasm of your club members? It's, it's always a challenge, but we, do a, we try to do a good job. We try to recreate the broom stacking, even in an arena club. We try to do happy hours in the off-season and between. Try to do a lot of events just to get people together. We do do a lot of spiels as a club. Even with a small group, we can we do send a lot of people to Spiels. We've got about 20-plus members that travel regularly for Spiels, so that helps us a lot with our enthusiasm. And we've done a good job of getting the newer folks to come along, too, and get them into a Spiel. We find that really gets them hooked once they, once they go and do that once, especially on dedicated ice and the whole environment. Very good. And, and so I read on your website something about a carpool to triangle curling club. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that started pretty innocently a couple years ago, but the folks at Triangle just approached us when they were getting going and said, we have extra ice time on Saturdays. If you guys ever want to come down and use it, you're more than welcome. And we've really taken them up on it. So we'll put together a call and uh, see who wants to go, and we'll carpool down, and then Triangle will kind of fill out the rest, and we'll have a, a great little friendly. We just did one a few weeks ago, and we also had some folks from Charleston uh, that came and joined us, and then we've done it two or three times this year. And they've just been a really great experience. We uh, get two games in, have lunch, and, you know, make a day of it. That's a pretty good way to kind of maintain your interest throughout the year when you're when you're kind of working the summer hour schedule uh, that Ryan had described. Yeah. Um, so, Ryan, you're a club member who's been involved in curling in a couple of different clubs. What do you see about uh, the Curling Club of Virginia that you might be able to replicate in another club that maybe is just starting out? Well, I've I've only been mem- a member of Arena Club, so I got started at Oklahoma Curling Club in 2010, and then moved to Richmond in 2016 and joined Curling Club of Virginia. And I think what this club does better than what I've seen in other clubs is integrating new members. We're not putting new members just with the skips that no one else wants to curl with. Uh, we do a, a true skips draft. We keep the new members in with veteran players and you know get them acclimated to playing in league. We make sure that they're gonna that their curling experience is going to be enjoyable. We also try to discourage them from all playing together so that they're losing every time that they do get to go out on the ice. So that's probably the number one thing that that this club does better that than I've seen from other clubs also. You know, as Travis said, it's a small club, but the members that we do have are extremely invested in this. They they travel, they go to bond spiels, uh, and the club members that we do have are very good about volunteering. We have a very strong volunteer base, and it's one of the reasons that our Learn to Curls before, during, and after the Olympics did as well as they did, is we had people who were willing to put in the hours and who were passionate about this sport and passionate about passing it along to the, you know, to the next generation of curlers. You know, that knowledge transfer is just really important. And, you know, I, you described the draft concept that you have. And that's something that when I was a member of the Milwaukee Curling Club, they had a, a night that was specifically geared towards that. And it was one of the ways that I definitely got to meet all the different uh, experienced curlers in that particular club. And boy, what a great way to kind of 
make people mix it up, uh, you know, which is something that is a lot of times lacking in particular curling clubs. That's a great idea. Uh, just uh, to reset, we're talking with Travis Hamilton and Ryan McGee from the uh, Curling Club of Virginia. Travis, tell me a little bit about these learner curls that Ryan mentioned before. What's going on with those? Um, well, we've got we've got another one coming up here soon. Uh, well, not that soon, but it seems like it'll be around the cor- here before you know it. We'll have another one on March 30th. Um, and we do our learn to curls a little different uh, than a lot of the other clubs. We kind of, after the last Olympics or the 2014 Olympics, we decided to reinvent invent the way we did learn to curls for 2018. And we had a, a, a ton of success. We did a little larger and we focused more on people just throwing the rock versus uh, a game format. And uh, we had tremendous feedback. Uh, we have a really good classroom. We get make sure people get a lot of throws in. And we don't worry about a game the first time out. We try to encourage them then to sign up for a learn to curl league uh, versus trying to get them to play a game there. And, you know, I think they've people, if they want to be there casually, have a lot of fun. And if they really want to get into the game, they still get a good experience. And we were able to convert almost 10 percent of people into a beginner league. That's uh, pretty terrific. 2018 out of almost a thousand people. Wow. A thousand people. Holy smoke. (laughs) That's amazing. Over a hundred sign up for a league. That's great. So we, you know, I think we've done a really good job with that. So how do you manage that? I mean, you've got, you know, 100 new curlers and you've got to learn to curl league. How do, how do you manage, like, people understanding the game and some of the nuances of the game? That was tricky. I think uh, that's something we probably have to learn from next time around. I don't know what we'll do different, but we did, uh, did require a lot of volunteer effort and a lot of time uh, to try to manage that and put it through. And, you know, I think that was one of the areas that was, yeah, I don't have that answer yet. That's, that's what we'll figure out for uh, – the next Olympic cycle, I think. I think we're all learning a little bit about that with the influx of new curlers <laughs> after the Olympics, uh, just trying to figure out what to do with them all. Um, you know, I know here in Rochester, we're we're talking about maybe expansion. We're talking about a whole lot of different ideas, but basically it seems to boil down to you need to have the volunteers that are willing to kind of put in the time with people, um, get to know them, and then kind of encourage them to move on to the next league. That's, that's really what I think it takes. And there's not a, a big secret to it. It doesn't seem to be. It's just, just what you got to figure out. It was the one time that having the schedule that we have kind of worked in our favor was the Olympics is kind of the end of the season, but we that's when we started getting ice time. So we had this influx of new curlers, but we actually had ice for them to curl on throughout the summer uh, leading up into the fall. So that kind of helped us keep that momentum. You did have that great advantage of being you know, a summer club. I mean, and, and just being able to build on the, that momentum. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to retain those folks coming uh, coming up in a few months. So we have retained quite a few. Uh, we We've done a good job, I think, with a lot of them coming through. Um, always could be better, but I think we've done done well. We had a couple of super volunteers, including a guy by the name of Dave Zimmerman and BJ Palsa, uh, one of the women in our clubs. Uh, they put in the bulk of the hours and made it, you know, made it fun for the people who were coming in, and that was big. Yeah, I think it's always tough, no matter what your off season is, unless you're like a four seasons curling club that's that's all year round. Um, it's just going to be tough to reengage folks unless they've got some sort of commitment to it, and and people like you're describing, um, who are really making an effort to to get to know these people and and make a difference in their their curling experience. Um, Ryan, I, I'm going to mention uh, you're again the co-host of the Rocks Across the Pond podcast. Maybe you can tell our listeners who maybe haven't experienced it what it's all about. Well, it's myself and my former skip from Oklahoma, a guy named Jonathan Havercroft. He started curling in Quebec, has curled in Saint, at St. Paul Curling Club, wound up moving to Oklahoma, 
and now he lives in England. So we've kept in touch since he moved out there and, you know, we're sitting there messaging each other back and forth about curling and going into last year's Olympics. We kind of joked about starting a podcast. And then after John Schuster won gold, we kind of decided, okay, let's go ahead and just bite the bullet and do this. So we started, you know, instead of just sitting there and messaging each other all day, we sit down on Sunday nights when the time zones work out uh, and sit there and record. So we kind of cover, you know, Jonathan's a curling coach in England. So we kind of cover a lot of coaching tips. He's really connected uh, throughout the world at this point uh, in the international curling community. So we color, we cover some events that maybe don't get talked about normally, uh, including the world junior bees that he just coached at. So, you know, we, we, we cover different things and we, you know, we like, we like to have fun on it is the main thing. It's just two guys that have known each other for a while talking about curling. Yeah. It's a pretty terrific podcast. I listen to it uh, each and every time you put it out there with a focus on sort of curling overseas. I mean, you do talk about U S curling, but there is a good focus, particularly on European curling. How do you keep up with all the the curling that's going on in developing countries? I mean, you guys talk about like you know mixed doubles in Hungary, and and you know you seem to know the names and and the games, particularly of a lot of these teams. How do you keep up with it all? Uh, well, it's really easy for me because I just let Jonathan do it. He's kind of uh, really in tune in the European curling circuit, and you know he he goes to these tournaments to coach where he coaches at. Uh, and he sees all these people and he talks to them and he finds out what's going on in different corners of the world with this sport and how different countries are trying to grow the game uh, in their country. And, you know, we kind of look at we try to look at things through a lens of, OK, how do we grow this game? How can these things be be applied where where we're at, either in England or the U.S.? You know, we talk some about the big Canadian tournaments, but the focus is really on what's going on at the grassroots level and how the game is growing here in the United States and in those developing European uh, European curling nations. We can get in trouble because uh, as long as the whiskey's good, Jonathan and I could sit there and talk for an entire week. So some of our some of our episodes can can kind of drag on because we just uh, we can't kind of we can't help ourselves at points. Uh, so so tell people at, at home who are listening or you know at work or wherever they're listening to this podcast how they could find your podcast. So you can find us really anywhere that uh, you listen to podcasts, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, if you want to yell at us and tell us how bad the episode was, you can find us uh, on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Curling Podcast. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at Rocks Across the Pond. And Travis, how can people find the Curling Club of Virginia out on the web? Sure. Our website is curlingva.org. Uh, and of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well, uh, Curling VA. So if you're in the Richmond, Virginia area and you want to sign up for a learner curl, that's the best way to do it? It is. And, and if you're in another area, we just recently helped uh, start a group down in Roanoke uh, that is curling right now. And there's also a group in Charlottesville, uh, the Blue Ridge Curling Club, who has unfortunately lost their arena. But due to the arena closing, however, they're building a new one, so they'll be back up hopefully in the next uh, eight to 10 months. So if you're in Virginia, but other areas, there's other options too. So back in 2011, there were no curling clubs in Virginia. Now there's going to be three within a year. It's pretty wild. Oh, that's terrific. It's, it's really great talking with you both. Uh, that was Travis Hamilton and Ryan McGee of the Curling Club of Virginia. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Extra Extra End. And don't forget to listen or you'll be sleeping with the fishes.
episode 14 here back on the Extra Extreme Podcast. Bryce Atkinson and Joe Calabrese with the 12th in Sports Network. As those were two really good interviews, I enjoyed uh, having Marcus. My turn with Marcus Gleaton. You had him uh, with your segment, the can't uh, the segment you can't refuse. And obviously, in that very last segment, thanks to Travis Hamilton and Ryan McGee from the Curling Club of Virginia for joining you there, Joseph. Yeah, you know it was nice catching up with both those guys. And uh, you know, Travis is the president of the club, and Ryan McGee, uh, one of the members, he's also a podcast host, Rocks Across the Pond. Oh. And so uh, it was nice to talk to him a little bit about that. Uh, get a little bit of uh, insight on what goes into their podcast because uh, yep. we know what it takes to do this. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, gr- a couple great interviews and man, talking to Marcus, I- I'm really excited to get uh, get there to Kalamazoo. I mean, that, I, you know, working the slams this year and we've got five under our belt, two to go. But you know, I was telling uh, Rory McCusker, who uh, Joan McCusker's son, Rory run- helps run the stat crew for Jerry at uh, at the slams, and he's going to be joining us in Kalamazoo, uh, you know, for nationals coming up as he's going to help run the stack crew there and does a, does a great job at, um, you know, we were talking and, you know, when the slams begin on really Tuesday night, it's not really until Wednesday, Thursday, and then, you know, Friday, Saturday, and then really finishes up Sunday. But I was talking to him over the weekend in North Battleford before leaving. He's pretty jacked to, to be making the trip and joining us. I mean, great kid. But, you know, look, I told, I was warning him, and he's been through these before with briars and different things. But, you know, just the kind of grind that we're in for because – this is one long week of work. It's fun. It's something that I know you, BA, myself, um, you know, we all look forward to doing uh, the USA Curling Nationals every single year. You know, Saturday to Saturday, it is a long week because usually come what Wednesday, Thursday for sure, we are we are dragging. So I was kind of warning him and That's, I was showing the schedule. I was like, look, yep. just be ready to buckle in. It is a long grind, but it is a long bit of fun too. No kidding. That Wednesday or Thursday, that's normally when you find the social media picture of me sleeping somewhere on a floor. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's how how tiring those things wind up being. And it'll usually be me posting, which is a great time to plug uh, the Twelfth Inch Sports Network on Twitter. Joe, Facebook, have at it, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to check us out on Twitter. It's at at Twelfth End Sports, and uh, on Facebook, uh, uh, you can check us out as well. And so. Um, you know, you want to make sure you, you uh, catch us on social media because that's where we're going to be uh, posting the schedule for nationals and the webcasting schedule on usacurl.org. I, the only – I have one beef, and I, it is only one beef whatsoever with USA Curling Nationals. It is only one thing. And I, will I get in trouble for saying it, Joe, do you think? I, I don't know what it is, so we'll see. Well, my only beef is – would they please feed us? I would love a hospitality room. <laughs> I would love so between draws, instead of hoofing it out, you know, in the snow or, or or going to, you know, usually we're it's somebody we're all pooling money together for a Taco Bell run or or pizza or going to you know uh, rink food at the concession stand. You know, so I, I you know at Fargo last year, I think they gave us vouchers, which was cool. You know, yeah, uh, to use a couple times. But you know, I wish after, especially after being at the Slams, where you go down find find some food and you you immediately can refresh and get ready to pivot. Man, I would kill for some hospitality. And I'm not just I'm not like asking for free food. That that's not what I'm saying here. Price can go out and afford it, but you know, it's really more so putting down everything that we're doing, putting on our coats, going to walk going to kind of plan next thing you know you burned off like 45 minutes if you've gotten in a long drive it, it just you know, makes it price easier. you know price when i first got into this webcasting thing the <clears throat> the host committees would put together hospitality rooms but they were generally there was no food there it was right. mostly just 
just alcohol. <laughs> so uh, well, we can't you know, touch I, that until that that last rock is thrown of the night. Right. So yeah, absolutely. So, but uh, you know, it's nice to it be it. It's certainly nice to have that kind of uh, that free food from the hotel uh, in the morning. It is, um, yeah, free breakfast, and yep. it, it kind of gets you fueled for the day. But you know. Uh, we're going to have more help this year than we probably ever had before. So maybe we can make some runs. Uh, I know. While games are going on. Should, so we, touch, okay. should we touch on that? There's going to be a ton of guests in the booth. I mean, we're going to have a, do we call them PAs? Do we call them a, do we call, a, do we call your wife an intern here? I mean, how do we, <laughs> what do we phrase everybody? Because so, new faces are going to be abound. Maybe not new, yeah. but you know, some of the uh, people you've heard about that have been there before. In, in some new faces, it's it's going to be uh, – the booth is going to be just a little bit more crowded this year. Yeah, absolutely. And we may not have that much space. We may have to space people out a little bit. We'll figure that out when we get there. But, yeah, we got Steve Noble, first of all, who uh, who uh, applied for a position for these events. Uh, to, as we're expanding, we know that we're going to need to bring some people on with some technical expertise. So he's going to be shadow MBA for, for this event, and he's going to be heading to Seattle uh, as well for mixed doubles. And then my wife is coming up for the first time. She'll probably help us in some capacity in terms of social media, I'm guessing, uh, probably get some behind the scenes stuff that, uh, we never were able to do before. Just not enough hands. And then, uh, obviously you're on board help us all with all the fifth end breaks. And we, we may have somebody local, uh, Ian strong. I heard is going to be somebody who's going to be helping out, uh, during the week. And he's a curler from the Michigan area. And he was actually, we met him four years ago in Kalamazoo. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's, it really is going to be a lot of fun and can't wait to get back uh, and see you guys because when was the last time I got to see you? Was it uh, was it Nationals last year? I mean, that's, yeah. I can't think of a, a time again that we've gotten to do this. I mean, hell, you and I have talked so many times, basically once a week, every week, but you know, it, it feels like we, we should have seen each other at some point uh, between now and then, but it is here. Get ready. Everything will be streamed, tesn.us, and certainly you can get every game uh, of USA Curling Nationals, or at least the feature games. That that The feature games, I know, is going to be announced very soon, Joe, so make sure you uh, subscribe to social media and check out the website there. And you know, obviously the podcast, tesn.us forward slash podcast, you can listen to every episode there on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is you listen to your podcast, including Blog Talk Radio, that is where you will find the extra, extra in podcast. All right, Joe, a couple quick things before we get out the door. Um, Centennial Farms out of uh, Boston, Massachusetts, a new horse that they have now named Bonspiel. Did you see that one this past week? Yeah, well, I'm looking at the website now, and beautiful brown horse, uh, Descend, descendant of Curlin, it looks like, um, which is pretty amazing. Curlin and uh, Keen Ice. Yep, uh, Keen Ice was a was a winner of the Travers uh, Big Horse Race in August uh, at Saratoga Springs. It is a major race for um, for three year olds there, and Keen Ice won it. Keen Ice was a Derby starter, as was Curlin. Curlin had a incredible uh, racing career. Curlin was a uh, a closer. Uh, so Curlin, when you say Curlin, not Curling, but Curlin, it doesn't have the G on the end. The bloodlines are really good for Bonspiel. So uh, get your money ready, Curling fans, because Bonspiel is uh, going to be coming to maybe a track not near you, uh, as most all our listeners are in the Midwest. Uh, uh, Kentucky, obviously, uh, you know places like Hialeah down in Florida, 
you know, Kentucky, like Keeneland, Churchill Downs, you know, whether it be Pimlico, Laurel, somewhere on the East Coast, probably going to be coming to an East Coast track near you. But excited to see how Bonspiel develops, certainly starting uh, that race career as a two-year-old. Interestingly, there was a horse, I did look, named Bonspiel in 2009. It was the son of Captain Bodgett. Captain Bodgett was another derby starter, but it, I, from everything I saw, Bonspiel from 09 did not really have much of a career after that uh, two-year-old campaign. But good luck and congratulations to the – uh, Schuster and Curling uh, inspired Chestnut Colt and Thoroughbred Bonspiel. So the other one thing I was going to ask you about, Joe, is Devin Haru, my good friend uh, with CBC Sports last week. Had a great time having him on, uh, kind of co-hosting with me last week from North Battleford. Had a story over the weekend, uh, and it kind of popped after uh, he and I had talked. And, and he did a story about fashion. And, you know, fashion and curling is always a, a topic, and it kind of gets broached every now and then. You know, whether it's, you know, the pants of the Norwegians or, you know, in this case it was uh, North Battleford, a team that got a sponsor exemption, a junior team that was playing uh, in the event last week that had some, uh, you know, psychedelic pants. Give me your thoughts. Do you love the? Do you love pushing the envelope? I personally do. I like seeing. I like color. I like fun. You know, I like bringing new things to the ice. That is not just stale old. You know, plain black shoes, black pants. Yeah, I think it brings an identity to a team. I mean, obviously, Ulcerud is known for their pants, and you know whether they're wearing whatever type of flashy pants they're wearing, uh, everybody knows them as the pants team. Um, you know, Devin went through a couple other, you know, fashion statements, you know, Colin Hodgson's uh, hair, uh, Glenn Howard's belt. I mean, there are yep. a lot of things that were sort of out there. But, you know, as we were talking about the Continental Cup price, uh, what do you think about the uniforms that they broke out for Team North American and Team World? Uh, I think Team World's uniforms are light years better. And I say better. That's just my taste. I love the black. I think the black is sharp. I think the way they've got the flags, you know, with the uh, the Swiss flag, uh, the Swedish flag, um, you know, the the Scottish flag. I just think they look sharper. They, they, I what I told you earlier, and this is, and I'm sticking to it. And you know, with all due respect to Haji and uh, and Mike at uh, Dynasty, who put these uniforms together, I, I think that the U.S. Canada uh, jackets and uniforms, I think it looks like a 1980s starter outfit uh from starter i i it 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 looks cheesy it looks it i just don't think it looks very good i think the team world outfits standing next to the the u.s and canada team north america i think the world stuff that dynasty did is knocked it out of the park light years better yeah i think i would agree with you i think you know they probably worked with sort of like the home and away kind of concept the white jerseys and the black jerseys i I would have liked to see more color in the uh, the Team North America jerseys, um, and, and maybe have a more similar type theme than uh, to the worlds than what you sort of saw out there with the with the maple leaves really prominently displayed, but also um, you know some sort of the the, the criticism I'm, I'm hearing is that there's stars that are like in part of the maple leaf, and that it's that's got some people a little bit upset yeah i mean look i mean i 
if they slanted a little bit more toward the Canadians with the uniforms, I, I really honestly don't care because, look, most of the team is all Canadians. We, we're, I mean, we have, what, two teams. we got Schuster and Sinclair, and that's all. So, yeah. I mean, most of it is Canadians. And so what do you expect? I mean, they're the best, pretty much the best players on the team. I mean, they're carrying the buckets of water. So I I would I thought maybe if they had gone more red, you know, it may have been a little bit louder. You know, I think they probably went not white, thinking more neutral, and they can, you know, go with the red and blue. But I... I just think it was way too much white. I think they could have maybe even gone black. or I, There's something else that could have been done. I'm not a designer. Look, I mean, we, we all armchair fashion, you know, from afar. But I, I, if there's more Canadian maple leaf, you know, that stands out on the uniform, so be it. They got more players on the team. Who am I to, to question? Because uh, their lineage speaks for itself. Not that I'm not proud of the Team USA. It is in the United States. It's being hosted in Las Vegas, we know. But... I, as far as that goes, I just think the overall appearance, decor, to me, just leaves a whole lot to be desired. And I just think it should look something else, like something else other than 1980s starter gear. Yeah, you know what? It might have been kind of neat to kind of bring the Las Vegas element to it in some way. You know, so dice or cards or something that kind of represented Vegas. That would yeah. have been kind of neat, too. Yeah, I'm with you. So, all right, Joe, let's uh, go ahead and put a stamp on this thing. NFL playoffs this week. And any up? Are you going to call any upsets? Uh, you know what? I, I, I really want Kansas city to win, but for some reason, I think Brady's got one more run in him, And I think he's going to wind up uh, pulling the upset here. I hope, I hope you're right. I'm pulling Patriots to win the Super Bowl. I hope it's the saints and the Patriots and that the, that the Patriots win it. No, I'm not a Patriots hater. I haven't, I don't have any, honestly, I've watched maybe a half of uh, NFL football all year. I, I'm, I, who are the saints playing? Help me out. I cannot remember. I, <laughs> Lord, now you're you're putting me on the spot here. I don't even remember because I felt like the Saints are such a good team. Oh, the Rams. The, the Rams, Rams are the yeah, that's right. So the Rams, you know, they have the great offense. But I, I honestly, I think uh, New Orleans is probably going to win that game. They're at home. They've got a great offense too. Uh, I I like the idea of Breeze versus Brady. Um, here, there's a an operating theory that if somehow uh, Brady were to win the Super Bowl, that maybe he and Belichick would just quit, and that would be it. Well, and then the Bills would have a better chance. So I'm kind of rooting for that at this point. I would think that if anybody quits, it's Brady hanging him up, hanging it up after winning yet another Super Bowl. And I certainly think that they are – maybe they're not the favorites. I guess playing at Kansas City and in, in New Orleans at this point, the, the home team is such an overwhelming favorite, especially New Orleans playing down there in, in the Superdome. That place is electric inside there. I've never been to a game at Kansas City. so yeah, You're going to want to wear your earphones for these, uh, even on t- if you're watching on TV. These are two of the loudest stadiums uh, that you can find out there. Well, I'm, I'm still looking forward to the college football side of things and the bet that we're going to settle in, uh, oh, no. in Kalamazoo. So I'm not going to let you – I was you hoping l- you forgot. Nah, I'm not going to forget that. But that'll do it for ep- episode number 14 here, the Extraction Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network. Joe, let's go ahead and get out of here. I hope everybody has a great weekend. If you're in Vegas, have a great time. Uh, keep it safe, and wherever you are, if you're hitting the ice, good curling. We will see you again next week as we barrel toward the USA Curling Nationals in Kalamazoo, Michigan. For Bryce Atkinson, myself, and Joe Calabrese, the Godfather, we'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. 
Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at mrsmyers.com.